So while I was off not updating my podcast, that doesn't mean the world of Pokemon just stopped. Who is ready for Pokemon Sun and Moon? Yeah, that that is going to be happening. It, it feels like Kalos can't, you know, be approaching its end. I mean, and I mean, it's not. We've got a while before it releases. And while the sun is starting to set on Ash's gym badge challenge, you know, we still have the Pokemon League to get through. And usually there's a side quest. And technically, we have moved from one season into the other, from XY to XYZ. So even so, in some ways, I feel like I was just getting to know that region and those characters. It does does feel a little soon. <laughs> but we'll see, because on the other hand, like, I remember last time when news of Kalos and XY was released, and we were all getting excited and pouring over designs and every little tidbit and wondering if Ash would show up in a can-can dress and all that fun stuff. Like, sometimes the ramp-up can be just as fun as the actual event, so I'm super excited to watch Tumblr just go nuts about this. Um, But Pokemon Sun and Moon is not the only thing going down in Pokemon, and certainly not the only thing going down in the world. Off in this country, we're electing a new president, and it's proving to be significantly less awesome than it could be. But remember last time we all got together and did this and there were people, presidential candidates, quoting Pokemon songs and crazy things like that? Well, PokePress is here to remind us of those times and the joy and the fun that we had. Um, <laughs> they've got an interview with Mark Chait, a co-writer of The Power of One, um, that song that has had influence on multiple politicians. <laughs> it's just really such a great song, regardless so, you know, it's a good interview to check out just for that, like, you know, how the song came together and the process of writing it and what else, you know, has been going on in this guy's career. But, you know, part two is all about it's it's surprising political weight. <laughs> like this song just has such an interesting legacy attached to it. <laughs> so it's definitely an interview you want to check out at this time when you're not listening to the binge um, two-parter um double feature Monday that we're having here to make up for the one I missed last week. Um, you can find Poke Press on YouTube. They have a channel, Poke Press. Um, you can also find this on soundcloud.com slash pokepress, or I'll have links on my blog page that you can click through. Um, I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. But like I said, this is really definitely an interview worth your time. Definitely a song worth remembering. It The Power of One is really just such a good song. And then again <laughs> it's been associated with just a diverse crowd <laughs> definitely give it some love after giving this episode some love because yeah this is peak happy podcast pokemon anime podcast going through every single episode and today we're on 238 the gym battle finally after meeting price and f finding out about his life history and 
turning him from a grumpy old man into like a happy-go-lucky dude. You know, we're ready to sit down and, and actually battle for the Glacier Badge here in Mahogany Town. Um, so let's just get right into it, because nothing I have to say is more important than that. Okay, so now that Price is okay with Ash being emotionally involved with his Pokemon, um, which sounds a little wrong, but that is the words uh, the narrator used, and well, Ash and Pikachu are basically engaged at this point. Anyway, now that Price is the friendly neighborhood grandpa type, he accepts Ash's gym challenge, and so the episode begins with Ash and Pikachu marching up full of energy and hope. Brock and Misty are their usual backseat Pokemon trainer selves, and they tell Ash that Price is an ice-type gym leader. Has Ash given any thought to strategy? Well, I don't know if Ash has, but we typically do on this show, so let's sit back as we do and go through Ash's lineup. How are his chances? We ask this before every gym battle, though I have to say... All strategy and logic usually gets thrown out the window once the ref yells go... Um, but anyway, Price is an Ice-type trainer. Um, this is his specialty. Obviously, this is Cyndaquil's moment to shine, um, but Bayleaf might want to sit this one out. Same with Famphy and Knockdowl. So really, a lot of Ash's team is kind of not ideal. Um, Totodile is kind of type neutral. He should hang out okay. For secondary typing, we know that Price has a Piloswine, which um, will give Pikachu some trouble, and a Dugong, which Pikachu will rejoice at, so I bet Ash plays him. There's also some Lapras, Shelter, etc. all at the gym. So basically, the types that Pikachu has an advantage with, the water types, are the same ones that cripple Cyndaquil. And while Piloswine's ground type does, you know, present problems for Pikachu... Um, and I guess technically could present some problems for Cyndaquil. The, the ice type is weak against Cyndaquil's fire. So if Price plays his cards right, he could maneuver Ash into a tough position where he, you know, doesn't have a lot of options. Or if he slips up, Ash could just steamroll over him. It's kind of 50-50. Type-wise, this gym could be a little tricky for him. And certainly with the recent switch-ups we've been having, a lot of his team is less experienced, like Famfy only just hatched a few days ago. Like, he's not been around for a while. Um, and then everybody else has only been around since Johto. It's really just Pikachu left of the Kanto team. So on paper, um, Ash does have a lot of things going for him, and it, it definitely is going to be a question of, you know, whoever is able to get in the first couple hits and set up the, the better strategy and defense and whatever is probably going to win. It's definitely not a power versus power question. I would, if I had to pick one, I would say that Ash is a little bit more at the disadvantage. Although on the other hand, Piloswine has been stuck in ice for 20 years. Like, it might be a little rusty. <laughs> we'll see. Um, when pushed by Misty, we find that Ash does have what he says a perfect plan of attack. The details of that plan um, may or may not be entirely worked out, but Cyndaquil is supposedly a part of it. So we'll see. Um, he goes to the gym where Price has been hanging out with Piloswine all night and bonding, and Price tries to convey some of his feelings, you know, his new outlook on life, his oneness with Piloswine, and metaphors for how things were frozen, but now they're thawed, let it go, let it go, let it go. Um, and his friend Sheila, um, from last episode, is a little weirded out by all this, and fair enough. Price is a completely different person than he's been for the last couple decades. 
I'm sure his Pokemon are also a little confused. Happy, sure, at least Seal and Dugong seem to be smiling, but surely. Confused, this is not the same man that left us last night. Might have been abducted by Clefairy or something. Anyway, Price is happy to see Ash. He's ready for this battle. Let us fight for the Glacier Badge um, while Team Rocket is off breaking into the building. Mostly just because they got nothing else to do. Like, they need to think of stuff they can get up to while Ash is in a gym town or at least bring a board game or something. Like, Because obviously he's going to be preoccupied with the gym. It's going to take a lot of his focus. And the gym leader, the most powerful trainer in town, is going to be kind of busy with Ash. So... You know, what better time to hit up something elsewhere? Backtrack a little. Go to a town back down the road you have already been to or go further ahead and take your time setting up a truly amazing trap. You know, when most of the people who usually stop you are engaged in something that occupies their attention. Like, don't hang out and commit crime right where they are, where you can just fall into their lap. Like, take advantage of this situation. Get away a little bit. But no, they're going to steal all the seal and dugong in the place, right next to Price. So good luck with that. Anyway, Ash and his gym battle. The field is all ice, so Price has home field advantage. Um, there's a pool right in the center, but most of Ash's Pokemon who have an advantage here don't do well in water. So this might be tough for Ash. Hope his Pokemon have been practicing their triple sal cows. Anyway, we have an interesting moment with Sheila. Uh, it turns out, in addition to um, whatever side job she has, she's also a certified referee for the Johto League. Which is lucky because Brock got all uppity when Ash was about to start the match without an officiator. Um, I'd like to get more into that like sometime, the, the referee system. Because it seems a lot of junior trainers have some certification, or at least the option of becoming so certified since some of them have officiated gym matches. And I think Brock has officiated a few, or at least has offered to do so. So we know that other gym leaders have that authority. Presumably the Elite Four and the champion would be permitted to officiate a match. Um, and what are the duties of, of, a, of the official referees? Like besides, you know, calling the shots and who's fainted and all that. Like do they have to sign things or submit documents, notarize things for the Pokemon League? that the match actually happened or something. Like, I, I don't know. It would be a super boring thing to have an episode be about, but I really kind of want to have this more explained. <laughs> anyway, the rules of this match, two Pokemon each. The match is one when one side loses both of their Pokemon. Ash can substitute his Pokemon back and forth if he wants. The gym leader cannot. Um, Price throws out Dugong, who immediately jumps into the pool, and Ash is like, I knew he was going to use the pool, and then throws out Cyndaquil. Okay. Interesting choice. And done with forethought. Cyndaquil cannot utilize the pool. It has a disadvantage against any water attacks. So this strategy of Ash's should be really interesting. On the one hand, uh, Cyndaquil has trouble nailing Dugong with Flamethrower. It keeps dodging and diving in the pool. Um, and then Cyndaquil gets hit with Ice Beam and it's encased in ice. But then again, Cyndaquil is a fire type. All it has to do to escape the ice is to ignite the burners on its back and, and then that ice just melts. So it can get out of the way before getting hit with Aurora Beam. Good showing from both of them. And then the tide turns! Ash tells Cyndaquil to use Quick Attack on Dugong, 
while it is underwater. Again, he just asked Cyndaquil, the fire type, to dive underwater to attack the water type. This kid is a certified lunatic. And Misty agrees with me. She's off having a panicked little monologue in the background there. Brock seems a little less, like, totally thrown by this, but, you know, he still thinks Ash is not making the right move. Price and Dugong think this match is over, and why wouldn't they? Cyndaquil has to turn off all its flames to jump into the water so it doesn't die. It doesn't have gills. It's not built for swimming. It's weak against water attacks and the very environment it's in. And it's basically a sitting duck for Dugong's headbutt. And that certain doom is rushing towards Cyndaquil as fast as Dugong can. (laughs) And Ash is like, just as planned. He waits until Dugong has speeded way too close in range to ever think of dodging, and then has Cyndaquil use Swift. The Pokemon doesn't go to the battle, the battle comes to the Pokemon. With a hefty dose of false security. Um, After knocking Dugong senseless with Swift completely out of the pool, Cyndaquil finishes the match by jumping out of the water and taking out Dugong with a scorching giant flamethrower. Which is great, but I think this match was won the second Swift was launched. Cyndaquil fought a dugong and rendered it defenseless while underwater. Sheesh. Does the Elite Four just breathe a sigh of relief every year that Ash Ketchum doesn't win a tournament? Like, because this kid has a Charizard that can take on a reality-bending Entei, a a Pikachu that can KO a ground-type with a Thunderbolt, a Bulbasaur that can use Dig, and now a Cyndaquil that can fight underwater. So far, because they all get better, and more people get added to the crazy team. Like, how is this team even real? Very best like no one ever was indeed. Just hand over the badge now, Price. I mean, maybe he hasn't won a tournament, Ash Ketchum, but don't tell me he's not a Pokemon master, because... Freak. <laughs> Um, Anyway, Price comments that um, for attacks like this to work, one must have complete trust between trainer and Pokemon. And yeah, way to state the obvious, because Ash asked the fire type to hold its breath and jump in the gosh darn pool. Amazing trust to get it to do that. Um, Meanwhile, Team Rocket, uh, their theft plan is not going so well. They, They want to steal Price's Pokemon and open up a legit ice cream shop business and then use the money to pay back Giovanni so they can further continue their life of crime. Just cut out a few of those steps, guys. This is needlessly convoluted and probably not going to work in the first place. Um, But anyway, um, Price's Pokemon are a little cranky to be disturbed and, and, you know, kidnapped, which distracts Team Rocket into insulting Jesse. And the next thing we know, they're all encased in ice beams, so we may not be seeing them for a while. Good riddance. In the meantime, round two of the gym match. Price goes with Piloswine. No surprise. Um, But it is a little interesting because now neither Cyndaquil nor Piloswine are especially good in the water. Um, So the strategy could get interesting, although we did just prove Cyndaquil can fight in the pool if it wants to. Right off the bat, it's Flamethrower versus Blizzard, and while you think Cyndaquil had the advantage, it's overpowered and the Blizzard freezes the pool. So Piloswine can walk right across the ice and Cyndaquil can be eliminated with a takedown. Okay, so who will Ash choose to take on an ice slash ground type? 
He has a type neutral in Totodile, who actually might have an advantage against the ground portion and can swim in the pool. Um, but I think we can all see that we need some raw power and veteran experience to take out the equally experienced Piloswine. Although, admittedly, the past couple decades, it's not been keeping up with its training. Um, but as always, if it's the other trainer's precious, precious partner, then Honor commands that Ash only has one choice. Hi, Pikachu. Let's blow some stuff up. And Price has to give Piloswine a pep talk, like, you're going to have to forget that Ash and Pikachu saved your life. I don't think that was necessary. I think Piloswine had its head in the game. Anyway, Pikachu, unfortunately, has one of its biggest advantages taken away from him. Um, that icy field, he can't use his speed. He's slipping all over the place. Agility and quick attacks are just useless. There's no traction. So Pikachu's sliding all over the area and miraculously manages to dodge, but, you know, the hockey puck is most certainly on Piloswine's side of the rink. So while Pikachu is slipping around and trying to recreate Michelle Kwan's bolero routine, Ash decides to go um, into one of their earlier strategies, the ultimate fallback they've been using since episode one that, you know, Pikachu has always favored. Forget accuracy, because we can barely move anyway. Just use thunder on whatever you can and just kind of hit everything. <laughs> this creates a large explosion and does stop uh, Piloswine's blizzard, but it doesn't actually do much damage to Piloswine. But Ash starts thinking, like, time to use the terrain to our advantage. He has Pikachu use agility again, but not in the way they usually do. Um, now Pikachu's focus isn't on going wherever he wants or darting in and out for attacks. He's aiming from ice pillar to ice pillar, kind of like you do in the games, really, just rocketing around the hockey rink and successfully dodging everything Piloswine throws at it. And some of those ice attacks create new pillars, creating more opportunities for Pikachu to change direction and build up speed. So it's just going back and forth and all over, and Piloswine has such trouble hitting it um, finally, Price orders Piloswine to use Blizzard on the whole field, and Ash tells Pikachu that now's the time to slide underneath Piloswine, hold on, and use Thunderbolt from right there. Yeah, such close range, no way was that missing. And you'd like to think that clinched the match for Pikachu, but no, Piloswine is a ground type that has to mean something 50% of the time. <laughs> it stays upright through the attack and uses rest to regain energy. So Pikachu's a little worn out. It's taken a lot of hits and Piloswine is just perfect. Um, it comes back at attacking Pikachu with fury attack and takedown. So Ash and Pikachu are on the run. They keep going with Thunderbolt, even with their cheering section screaming at them like, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Um, but sometimes, like when Pikachu is physically clinging to Piloswine's fur, it seems to have a bit of effect. Again, how is Ash's team real? But most impressive um, is when the ice breaks and Piloswine falls in the water. That's when Thunderbolt does some real damage. Brock recognizes this trick. It's how Ash would have won his gym. Um, from there, Piloswine, like, just gets enraged, jumps out of the pool, and assaults Pikachu with fury attack, and Pikachu can't get any traction, it can't get under control enough to use their um, agility trick again, can't dodge anywhere on the icy surface, so Ash 
basically just has him give up on trying to defend. Just just attack. Thunderbolt as much as you can, even while you're getting the snot beat out of you. And Pikachu does, bless his little heart, does its best. Even so, gets knocked to the ground, while Piloswine seems to still have energy. I mean, it's taken some hits. It looks like, you know, we've been wearing it down. That last Thunderbolt in the pool was pretty intense. But, you know, of the two, Piloswine is on its feet. And Pikachu should be down for the count. It really should. But with enormous will, manages to rise to its feet, ready to keep on battling. Take that, Piloswine. And that's when Price throws in the towel. Really? He calls a TKO, a technical knockout. Because while Piloswine is on its feet and, you know, technically still conscious, it's it's done. <laughs> it's had enough and Price can't force it through anymore. Ash and Pikachu win the match. And truly, it did seem like the two of them were ready to go into infinity if they had to. So I don't feel like it's cheap. They they proved their worth and further battling won't prove anything for him or for Price. The match can just stop. And Ash is a little confused, though, as, as to whether or not he really deserves the Glacier Badge since it wasn't a win. And he has to be reminded that gym battles are not actually about winning or losing. They're more like assessments. And between Cyndaquil's showing up Dugong underwater and takes a million hits but keeps on coming despite being an Electric-type versus ground Pikachu, yeah, that team passed. Like, there's no need for Price to you know, keep going until one of the two of them manages to finally beat the other into a coma. Like, you know, they've they've done what they needed to with this match, and, and Ash has earned his certification here. Um, and Ash is close to his Pokemon. It took real trust to get his Pokemon to agree to some of these strategies. He's earned it. And so he takes the Glacier badge, pins it in his jacket, and the last badge will be won in Blackthorn City. Oh, shoot. Blackthorn, I love that, Jim. Be still my heart. But for now, we leave Price a little better than we found him. He's, you know, opened up again to life and happiness and joy. Um, and Team Rocket, we leave them as popsicles. So good all around. Like, I love gym battles. I really do. Gym battles and league tournaments. But, man, that was a good one. <laughs> and I love, I love being able to watch Ash's crazy strategies in play, always. But I especially love in a gym battle or tournament situation when we can really see what Ash brings that other trainers don't. Cause you know, any trainer could have come in with a strong team and won a glacier badge and done well. But I, I like seeing what makes Ash's training so special and what makes his individual Pokemon so unique and what they've learned. Like, cause price is right. Like the amount of trust it would have taken to convince a fire type um, like Cyndaquil, no less, to to jump in and fully submerge itself in water. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. Like, you have to believe that your trainer has a plan and has your best interests at heart to agree to something crazy like that. And, and could these crazy strategies and these off-the-wall ideas that Ash comes up with, like, could any other trainer have come up with them and convinced his Pokemon to go along with them? Like, like, certainly without meeting Ash, it would have never entered Pikachu's head to try Thunder Armor, and he certainly would have had the social skills to convince another bird to try it with him, but, like, just think about that. Like, for Ash to come up with the idea 
to have his outrageously strong electric type thundershock his flying type until physics broke. Like, that idea on its own is just insane. And then to convince his Pokemon to go along with that, that they would have enough faith in him that this was an idea worth trying, and faith in each other, too. That, you know, Pikachu wasn't gonna just kill Swallow. Like, I just think these kinds of things really showcase what makes Ash special. And as we get into the Silver Conference, I, I think we're gonna talk about that a lot more because it's kind of one of the things that Gary starts to realize that, you know, he is an exceptional trainer. He's really good at bringing out a Pokemon's inner strength and he's got a very strategic mind. And like, you know, Gary, Gary's a great trainer. He totally had it in him to be a great, you know, trainer and competitive battler maybe even a Pokemon master, but it's in watching Ash fight and watching Ash, you know, beat him and all those things that he kind of starts to see that Ash has something and Ash is doing something with his Pokemon that Gary just doesn't do. And that's not necessarily a weakness on his part. It's just that, you know, the world is full of strong trainers, people who are powerful and, and you know, have a good mind for tactics and that kind of thing. People who can remember all the type advantages and the stats and all that. But Ash is doing something so incredibly unique with his Pokemon, like something that makes a difference whether or not they're taught by him or someone else. And I love it when this show can kind of highlight that. But anyway, we finished our gym battle. We're going to move on to the next episode, and it's going to be coming really soon because, like I said, I had a few days that turned into a week and more that where I couldn't get into the into the room to record, so I'm making up for it with Double Feature Monday here. <laughs> you will not have to wait very long for the next episode, so I'm going to go get right on that. Um, in the meantime, if you want to, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Podcast, where I can be found going to Pokemon-themed baby showers and convincing dead Jedi Masters to take on a different career, all sorts of crazy things. Um, we're also on Facebook at Podcast. You can subscribe via iTunes or Zoom. Um, you can visit our blog page, pcappypodcast.blogspot.com, and find those links to Poke Press and the great interview. <laughs> um, you can also send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com with your comments. So all those good things. Um, for now, though, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you very, very soon. This has been Pcappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. 